Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter-attack. It's the new drop back. Hello, welcome to Chesi Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by two distinguished gentlemen. Jay, what are you saying, bro? All good, my bro. All good. Can't complain. Oh, I can, but you know, (laughs) I'm chilled out. I hear you. I hear you. I think sometimes, you know, you have to just like take the pain and just live with it. It's it's it's, it's one of those ones for me now. I'm a laid, um, laid back guy, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I, try not, I try not to let Chelsea rattle me too much. Well, but no. It's yeah. hard right now. It, it, it's real peak right now. And I've got Jerry. I've got J and J here today. What are you saying, Jerry? Yeah, man. All good. All good. Good to be back. Welcome, 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 yeah. boy. So we got a lot to get through. I think almost every week now I'm talking about Chelsea, and I I feel like. We have ups and downs, ups and downs, but it's becoming a bit more consistent in terms of the downside. And I think if you look at Chelsea's results, it's it's unsurprising um, that we're here again complaining about, well, we're going to be complaining about, you know, a performance and a result ultimately. And it, it just doesn't seem to be going our way at this moment in time, I think. But yeah, it's just it's just super frustrating. And I feel like, under Todd Bowley and the Clear Lake ownership, we've just seemed to just have lost a little bit of ourselves. But we'll touch on that a little bit later on. I first want to talk about the Everton away um, match. Obviously, we lost that game. It's a bit of a painful loss, a 2-0 defeat. Uh, once again, Everton youngster scoring against us. <laughs> and it just seems to be a habit again ever since Clear Lake have come into Chelsea. 
Yeah, now, it was Anthony Gordon last time, wasn't it? Yeah, man, it's just it's real, real pain. It went Anthony Gordon, and then there was another player, I think, at the bridge as well. If I remember, under Tuchel, I think. Ah, um, uh, under Potter, that Sims, you, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Potter. So it's like, yeah, so it's just it just it just feels like Everton have our number under these under this new ownership. It's it's nasty work, man. But Jay, and I know obviously we all have kind of conflicting thoughts about about the performance and about the result. Um, and I think results definitely do change the narrative of games. Um, but I didn't think the Everton game was that bad, really and truly. If you look at performance, but it just felt like something wasn't quite there. Something was missing. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's it's so crazy that you you say exactly that in terms of something was missing because today when I was thinking about how I'm going to kind of, you know, say how I felt about the game, this is literally that. I, like, I kid you not, those exact words were in my head today. Like in terms of, I was looking at the game and I was trying to figure out what am I angry about here? Like I'm, I'm watching the game and I'm literally saying to myself, like, what am I really annoyed about in this game? Because Everton are a tough side to play against anyway. Even when you're in form, do you know what I mean? So when I was watching the game, I was like, mm, I don't know. I felt I, I felt like on the ball, we were okay. I felt like players like Caicedo and that were having a decent game. Mudrik was having good little moments in the game as well, where he was really positive. Um, and yeah, I just, I, it was that. It, it just felt like that little bit extra that you need, whether it be from the coaching or whether it be just a moment in the game, you know, like a, a set piece, a corner, whatever. But just something, it just it just lacked something from Chelsea. And, and I think, to be fair, I think I was looking at it more from kind of like a bravery point of view as well. Like, I just didn't feel like we were brave enough and it just didn't feel like we were aggressive enough. And that's been quite... That's been a theme this season. I think there's been a couple of games where we have shown that fight and shown that kind of aggression going forward, but nowhere near enough um, considering how many games we've played already this season in the league. And, and yeah, I, like that's it for me, really. I, I just, it, it definitely lacks something, whether it be, you know, from the players, whether it be from the coach. Like, it's, it's obviously it's a collective thing anyway, but... It's, it's literally what you said. There is just something missing at the moment and, and you're struggling to see, you know, like where where that extra bit comes from. Do you get what I'm saying? It, it's so bizarre because I, I look at it and I, I look at, how, how do I put this? You know, when there's like Chelsea as an identity um, and as a football team, there was always an identity of generally... Um, like a very early on in 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 Roman's ownership, for example, there was like a grit about us, and there was an ugliness in the sense that if things aren't going well, Chelsea will find a way to grind things out, and it just seems like that that stubbornness is kind of deteriorating, and I think we've seen some flickers of it of late, especially given last season where we just capitulated every single time. Whenever we go 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 down, we just know that the result is over. Um, but I think this season under Poch, um, we've se- we've shown some flickers of light and flickers of life um, in games where we go behind and we don't panic and we 
you know, try and grind the game down. And honestly, we've been getting some decent results and turning games around, which is actually pretty positive. But I just feel like in recent weeks, after a couple of results, I feel like the players almost have this, I won't say handbrake mentality, but I feel like they, it might be a lack of belief, you know, because things are going so wrong and have been going so wrong for such a long time. It just, that something that's missing, it may actually just be belief. And I think only a few players seem to be playing with inhibition. Like, they, they just seem to be fine. Like, um, and because they've got nothing to lose. Like, a player like Modric, for example, I think he's playing pretty well because I think he's just really got nothing to lose at this moment in time. And, you know, I think Poch has kind of uh, somewhat shown some faith in him in recent weeks. And I think, ultimately, he's a player that generally makes impact on games. So I think at this moment, he's just like playing not with a confidence, but more of a do or die sort of mentality. And I think that kind of culminated in this performance against Everton, because I did think he was bright. Um, but again, all that brightness, but the rest of the, the other players, I can't really say that the same was there. I do agree in terms of Caicedo. I think Caicedo had a pretty good game. I thought Enzo was pretty good as well before he was taken off for some reason. But yeah, I thought they were pretty good. Um yeah, the back were okay, I guess. Like, everything was pretty much under control um, until the Reese injury. Um, and we'll touch on that uh, a little bit later on. But I just didn't feel like Chelsea were playing bad. But I think that's always a bad sign when Chelsea aren't necessarily playing bad. But you always know that if they don't score, or if they don't you know, get one or two, that Chelsea will actually go on to lose the game. And we've seen that too many times this season where Chelsea apparently are playing well um, and seemingly in control. But when a goal's not going in, you almost feel like the other team, all they need is one chance and they will punish us. And that just seems to be the theme of a lot of Poch's games. And I also wonder, and I, and I, and I did think about this before we started recording, are, are we being set up in a way that's conducive of not only controlling the game properly um, in terms of the ebbs and flows of games, but are we being set up enough to actually attack the opponent's box enough? Because I don't feel that we are. Jerry, I, I know you, you watched the game um, twice or three times now. Um, now, uh, do you share our sentiments whether, like, regarding it wasn't a bad performance, but something seemed to just lack? Um, I think it's interesting when you say... Uh you're not sure about whether it's like the the, the players lacking that like belief. Um, I think there's, there's definitely an important uh, facet of that. Um, I think the debate on on Chelsea has, depending on what side you're on, has focused on is it, is it the manager or is it the players? And I feel like I, like you, thought we played okay and, and thought we didn't just, we just didn't take our chances. We weren't clinical, and it was classic Chelsea. Um, but then that second watch, uh, the, the second time watching, um, where you're not in the emotion of the game, you're looking a bit more an analytically. Um, I was seeing some very concerning things, um, and I haven't done a deep dive into every game. Um, the, the, this is just what I picked up from the uh, the game against Everton, and. I mean, it's a few things. So if we, if we if we focus on sort of the, the the sort of lineup that we started with, it was obviously James and Kukurela as fullbacks, Desassi, Bedishil, uh, in centre back, 
and then Caicedo, Enzo Gallagher as midfield three, and then you had Palmer, Mudrick, and Broha um, as our front line. And so, if we start with the with the midfield, um, obviously Poch, this is like Poch's like standard midfield, um, and it's interesting because you said Enzo didn't play that uh, didn't play that badly, but I thought his role or the role he played today like didn't really help him. Um, so he was on the left side of the of the three, um, playing a lot higher. Um, so we've seen we saw, kind of saw that earlier on in the season. Um, and essentially what was happening was uh, Enzo was up in sort of left centre mid, left attacking mid. Um, in the first sort of 10 minutes, that he had that link up quite well with um, Mudrik, um, with Caicedo sort of deepest and Gallagher trying to, uh, I, I guess, work it out to wide areas. Um, but the, the, the problem with that in build-up after the sort of fi- first five or 10 minutes um, was that when he drops in, uh, to play when when we have the ball and we're struggling to build up and Enzo drops in to play with the midfield, uh, there's no one in the pocket, so there's no out ball um, unless we go out wide, and uh, this was definitely an instruction. But basically, Poch had Cole Palmer pulling in central when Enzo dropped deep, and because of that, when Cole Palmer went central and uh, the ball went out wide to let's say Reese. Um, there was no progression on that side because Reese was receiving a long ball, uh, which the Everton defence had time to sit and settle, and they could see the ball coming. So they would immediately double up. So then the ball has to go back. Um, and then when Enzo was in the pocket, um, it left Gallagher and Caicedo flat. And that meant that they couldn't uh, progress the ball because if you if you watch the game, um, Enzo, uh, the, the Everton are set up in the in the four in front of our in front of their defence. Um, and there was no space. So usually under, I think it was under Tuchel, um, you'd have Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante in there. And it was essentially Jovacic um, who were playing the ball between them to uh, invite the press. And they were they were so good at that, popping the ball between them, almost for fun. Um, and then the, someone would step out of line and then we'd spring in behind them. There was no such play between Gallagher and Caicedo. And I actually noted the first time we got through this like central midfield line was when um, Palmer played Broja through. Um, so he started off with Badiashile with the ball. He stepped into midfield and then he pauses. And then when he, as he pauses, De Corey steps up to press him and then he plays it to Gallagher, who then plays it to um Caicedo, and then immediately first time plays it through to Palmer in the pocket, and that was like forty minutes. It took forty minutes. I don't know if this is a play bro, they were on or or what, but it took forty minutes to get a successful pass in behind the pocket. And, and, and the, the, the worst thing about that, yeah, and what bothers me is it's almost like players are left to their own devices to find that situation. And I, for one, I understand you leave the attackers to find solutions in the final third, but not in build-up, not in actually trying to, to get in behind, get into the pockets. The, the, the coaches, they are paid to actually, really and truthfully, in my opinion, they're paid to get the players in a position to actually cause damage in the final third. So if you, your your strategy is all about getting into those pockets, getting into the final third, getting into those areas. If once, as a manager, does that, 
unless there's some automated automation in in the way what you try and attack, sometimes that that is a good thing because like Conte, for example, he had some automated um, play in the final third, which was dangerous. Same with Man City, they have some automated play in the final third, which is dangerous. But by and large, you kind of allow the attacking players to kind of find solutions once they're in that pocket and in those the final third. But Chelsea under Poch, we just don't get into those areas enough. Um, and the players that you really want in those areas aren't there enough. So it, it is so insane to me. So what you're saying is spot on. You're right. After about 40 minutes, it happened the one time. And you're just like, how are you actually destabilizing Everton? Like, yeah, this yeah. is a team that you're supposed to be supposedly better than, but you're not causing them any real issues. Like, And that's what I'm saying. It's difficult to really assess the, the game and say, oh, players were bad. Because I can't look at that game and objectively say, they were terrible because I don't think they were. I just think that you look at it and think, well, there's actually a coaching issue here. And I've been saying this for weeks. There's a real structural coaching issue on multiple fronts, which are concerning. And I, that's why it's difficult for people to really criticise Poch because they're looking at the team. They're looking at the players thinking, well, they're getting chances, you know. But if you le- take a step back, you know, from okay, I want Poch to succeed. I want Poch to succeed. I want our team to succeed. Take a step back and really analyse the game and look at what we're doing well. You won't see much, to be honest. You won't see much. And that's what really concerning me. Yeah. You know what I was going to add as well to, 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 to Jerry's point about, you know, he picked up on the fact that it took us that long to get into the pockets. Something that really annoyed me was... You know what? Fair enough. Reese came off at 26 minutes, yeah. So we, so we essentially had probably the best fullback threat um, at the club. You know, obviously out and injured, yeah. So cool. But the 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 Colwell at left back thing has been going on for a while now. And um, again, like I said, Kukurea did start the game at left back, and he and he obviously had to come on due to Reese getting injured. But um, even then, when I talk about bravery and I talk about like when we talk about ways of you know breaking teams down, there, there was like a, a there was a um, a bit of play I saw between uh, Broyar, Mudrik, and Colwell, and on this rare occasion, Colwell's managed to find himself in and around the box. He's 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 going for he's like making a darting run inside into the box, and Mudrik plays a really nice like kind of flick past to him and he makes his and he finds himself just in the box so much space but the problem is he's a centre back yes bro so so yeah. so so now like not only not only have we been missing that kind of threat because the run alone into the box and and you know receiving it off Mudrik and that kind of support that has been missed all season by the way like it's it's we have not seen anywhere near enough of that we've seen nice bits of it when Reese has been fit We've seen good bits of it when Gusto's also been fit. I think Gusto's done really well. Obviously, like we said before, he's done really well in his um, in his games when he's come come in for Reese and he's and he's worked the line quite well. Doesn't have the same kind of quality putting in putting it into the box, but at this at this point now, right now, the way we're playing, you're just happy to have a fullback there offering that kind of support. And you know, like we saw it for I think Raheem's goal against Luton, you know, like it's important to get those fullbacks up there because they can they can be dangerous, you know what I'm saying? And they can add to what we offer in attack. But 
the fact that I only saw that Cole will run and, you know, him in that position uh, after they scored the goal. I think it was after they scored the goal as well. So it's like, oh, shit, we need to attack now. Exactly. Yeah. The urgency and and that's the bravery I just don't, that's the bravery I just haven't seen. And it's like, bravery is doing that from minute one, not doing that when you go a goal down. And, and that was really frustrating for me to see. You know, it's, it's interesting you picked up on that because I was looking at sort of um, Mudrick's role in, in, in the match. And going back to your point, Meads, about <clears throat> you, you saying that he's one of the few players that is um, that look bright in that half. I think a lot of that is because when he gets the ball, there is no um, there's no decision to be made. He knows what he's going to do, and because of that, he does it quickly. And what that means is that the space that is there, um, he makes use of it. Um, and even the, even if they are trying to double up on him, by the time he by the time someone comes over for cover, he's already stopped, stood up his man and he's he's running through. And the, the thing is with Colwell. If you watch when there's, I think there's one phase of play where um, the ball, I think we win the ball in midfield and the ball's worked across. It goes to Enzo. He shows some nice feet to keep it, uh, to retain the ball. And he plays out to Colwell. And if you look at Mudrick, his body position, he'll always sort of move out wide, to keep his body open to receive the ball to feet. And Colwell plays the ball to him. Um, and Mudrick just sort of drifts inside and like, almost loses the ball because He's got his fullback one v one. When he gets the ball, the overlap from Colwell isn't really there. Um, he could run inside, but that's a congested area. Like Brojo was like all the way on the other side of the pitch. And for me, like it all it all goes back to like like what is the plan? What what tools do these players have to break this team down? Um, because it was just I, I was just watching the game and I. It was either the plan that Poch had in place wasn't being executed properly, or the the plan just wasn't wasn't working. Because I mean, people love to say this, but Poch got diced, and there was nothing he could do about it. Because essentially, what Daesh had, the, the structure he had, was that the midfield area was congested. Congested. Um, we were. It was four v one, four four or five v two, and we couldn't play out of that. And when we tried to go wide. Again, we were, we were doubled up again on, on, on the wide areas. So realistically, like, Poch had no answer. Um, and that, that I mean, we were talking about on the ball, off the ball was even more concerning. Um, I feel like they, they just cut through our, us far too easily. And I think there was a goal we conceded where they, uh, I think, I can't remember who, but a couple of weeks ago, where they've got the ball on one side and they played the ball through our midfield and there's, like, no one there. Um, and that's been since pre-season <laughs> I've seen that, that so many times it's so scary like that oh mate that Bro, is... it, it's been it's been something that I've and uh, do you know what and I, I remember against Newcastle it happened against Newcastle it happened against Brighton and Spurs uh, it happened against Spurs and it's not just I'm talking about from pre-season as well from even in yeah. pre-season where we looked okay I think that that ball from the inside to uh, against the left uh, the left back, that ball in between the left hand side of the midfield and the um, left uh, the left back has been killing us every single week. Like, and it's in our left back. And I just, yeah, I just, and I just, it it kills me how we as fans can see it, but it seems to be a blind spot for a supposed world class manager in Pochettino. 
and, and I I think, you, know, you know another concern this is like I, I don't know I actually don't know what is going on here but um the space between the back four and the midfield when we when the when whatever the pressure trigger is when we decide to press that space is insane like brother brother listen against Tottenham I was losing my mind bro I was losing my mind because I didn't understand how this is possible like these are spaces that I've actually not seen in professional football before. Like I, I've never seen spaces that massive. Bro, you Unless have Lampard ball. Lampard ball, bro. Yeah, but a Lampard ball probably actually. You're right. <laughs> Lampard ball, you're right. But that, like, it's like what was so shocking about it is that those gaps you you'd expect them to come if you're chasing the game and you're throwing a man forward and you're like, all right, cool, we're trying to get the win. Yeah. But not in the first five minutes. What the fuck is happening? Like, and how? Then it it takes a monumental effort for Poch to actually see it and change it, and that baffles me. Because how? How are you letting this ride, Poch? It don't it don't make no sense to but, me. It's but that again goes back to that again goes back to even bravery. Because if you look at someone like, for example, a team that I feel like have done it really well over the few last few seasons is Liverpool, right? Liverpool, they're really brave in their back line getting closer to their midfield and, and kind of squeezing, you know, trying to suffocate teams a little bit. But they're brave, obviously, because they believe in, in the ability of their centre-backs. But they're, they're just brave as well because they believe in the way they're playing. They believe in the, the result that comes from it. Do you understand? And I think with Poch at the moment, I, I, like I said, I, I feel like, the whole thing with the fullbacks and all this kind of stuff, even the thing with like, like the players um, picking up, you know, these spaces in the pockets and maybe getting a few more players to be in those areas, you know, like be a little bit more brave, like get these, like commit, commit fully because that sounds like what we just spoke about. It sounds like you're half-hearted with it. It sounds like you want to press high, but you also don't want your defenders to follow because you're, you're, you're a bit scared of, you know what will happen afterwards, and and what's that? What that's essentially causing is just worse problems. It's you get crazy. You know what's crazy? Like when Thiago Silva was still in the side, the sort of the, the reason that was given for that is not, not by Poch, but in terms of general. Right, answers, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason yeah. that was given was okay. Thiago Silva's in the, in the back line. Like we can't press too high, or else we get exposed with his lack of yeah. pace. The Sassi, the and Badia Shield are in. The problem is still there. So. Is, is and then Badishil showed, yeah, Badishil showed a few times that the foot race isn't a problem for him, exactly. even in the Everton game. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, like that is, yeah, yeah, that's. that's it, it, so for me, from my perspective, and I, I agree with both of you wholeheartedly, that has to be structural. That has to be from the manager and the manager's instructions. Press, push up, but not too high. And it's maddening. Like I. Under Tuchel, this would never happen. Like, I, I'm going to be real. Like, you may not be the biggest fan of Tuchel's offensive play. You may not be a fan of his patterns of play. You may not be happy with the back five. But, brother, these gaps don't appear. These gaps don't happen. The, the level of control and structure that we had under Thomas Tuchel was of a completely different stratosphere to what we're seeing here. What we've seen under Potter, what we've seen under Frank, and what we've seen under um, Pochettino. It's ghastly. The, the, the gap is ghastly. And it's no surprises that we get hit and we concede like the way we do. It's no surprises. 
And I've not even got on, on to the worst part of us from a defensive standpoint is defending wide areas and defending the cross. I've not even got on to that because structurally, again, we are a shambles of a team. Shambles of a team. And you can't look any further than the manager. Because, for, for example, everyone's talking about the players last season. And I said that to everyone. It can't be the players. The players aren't bad players because these players won us the Champions League. These players took us to the pinnacle of European football. These players are not bad players. I promise you, there are a number of factors that have caused our team to capitulate the way they have. One of them is sacking a world-class manager and hiring a novice. Secondly, a lot you're buying hella players in these man's positions, expecting them to be happy, stuffing the dressing room with bare man, making the new players feel um, uncomfortable, making the old players feel uncomfortable. So you're creating an uncomfortable environment for everybody. Then you've got a manager that knows he's under pressure, knows he's not good enough, but can't quit because obviously he's going to lose the bag. So he's going he's to try and stick it out. Then you've got owners that are completely complicit in the failure of this club because they are doing things out of ego and rather for the betterment of this club. So they were sticking with Potter because they thought, well, you know what? This is our guy. We're going to ride with him until it was too late. And they sacked him too late. To be honest, they hired him incorrectly anyway. Then they bring in Frank Lampard, who's the worst manager, Premier League manager in the history of Premier League. Facts. I don't care. You could talk about Frank Lampard if you want, but Frank Lampard is clear of him in terms of how bad he is a coach. If you look at what he did and what Everton were to what Sean Dyche has done with the same group of players, if not worse, is a complete mad thing. And that just shows the level of incompetence that Frank has. So that shows even further the level of incompetence that our owners had to hire him. Now you brought in Pochettino, another yes man, who's quite docile in mannerisms and doesn't really, for me, didn't really showcase much tactical now at PSG. So if your club, whether that's having sporting directors that making the footballing decisions, you're looking at managers that actually have the tactical astuteness to really match up with the best. I never saw it in Poch. I didn't quite understand that signing. Unless Nagelsmann, who was the first choice, apparently, um, turned them down. You could kind of understand the reasons why, given the circumstances, given the structure, given um, the, those above him having to work with two sporting directors. So no no one, no wonder Vivel left. No surprise why Vivel left, because he's like, well, what the fuck am I doing here then? And it's just like, it's just a mess. I just feel like structurally from when you look at just not just the game and not just the the matches that you watch, but I think Chelsea as a football club in general are just a structural mess. And it's so fitting how we see ourselves on the pitch. It's befitting of the club itself. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. I can't explain how baffling and concerning it is to see that this is where we are. It's mad. But... We are, we are. Chelsea Football Club have only won 39 points out of our last 39 games, which is unspeakable, unthinkable, unfathomable. And again, the theme of those games, the theme of those points, we kind of deserve it, really. I don't think we could say that we deserve more. What do you man think? Um, <laughs> I think I haven't like dove into the analysis as much um, with the other games, but I can't imagine it would be too different. Um, I, I think what what I'm seeing essentially on, on the first watch of a lot of these games is just, 
I don't see any visible attempts uh, to improve the situation. Um, I think the past sort of the, the run that we had with um, sort of more positive results. Um, I think from from that, I thought everything was sort of going in a good direction. It looked like we were scoring more goals, which has been such a problem over the past 18 months. But again, in those games, we are still conceding chances, um, still conceding a lot of goals. I don't think we've had a clean sheet in, I think, 13 games, uh, something like that. Um, yeah. yeah, correct. So there's clearly an issue um, with conceding. And it's funny because you can, look, you can talk about, you know, our issues of scoring goals and us opening up the play a bit to concede maybe more chances but have more of a threat. But even the threat that we're having, um, it doesn't seem to be translating across um, most of these games. And I think it, it, it's it's not it's no shock that the games that we've had success in scoring goals in are the teams who come out to play. So the, the Man City, Brighton, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham, these teams that have come to play us, um, even against United, we had a lot of chances um, when we could, when we could actually string two or three passes together. Yeah, uh, we were actually um, on them, and I just, it just doesn't. I I, I said in the in the group, um, and this is this is a, a phrase that I love because it just it just describes it so perfectly. Like this is not what it looks like. These are not the. It's not what a top level manager looks like, and I, I'm not saying Poch isn't a top level manager or he won't get there with this team. Although I'm in doubt it more and more every day, but I just I don't know how he can look at this and come out and say, "Oh, we played well and um, we just didn't finish our chances." Like it goes much deeper than that. And yeah. I think this is the thing with Poch. Um, maybe the difference with him and Tuchel is with Tuchel, you you knew you had a, almost a yardstick to measure. The performance against like if, if I'm doing my analysis and I go to the post-match comments of Tuchel I know exactly what he was looking for I know exactly what they didn't do so if I'm looking at the, the analysis there's no question is this the players just not following his instructions or did he just put out the wrong tactic um mm. and I think Poch has a long way to go to win over the fans um and, yeah. and it's funny that you do say that because I, I I did say that as well I mentioned that one thing about Potch that really disappoints me is that is this lack of general analysis of a game. Um, again, maybe I was spoiled on the Tuchel when Tuchel would come out and say, you know what, peeps, I, I kind of got that one wrong tactically. I don't think we we were in in the right space. I kind of asked them to do things that I didn't really didn't think um, they didn't think would work. I, I you know I, I I just felt like he was just quite candid in the way that he'd say, okay, no, the players didn't really follow instructions. He rarely said that, but generally he take accountability for losses. I feel that Poch makes lame excuses that are just not really just washing, really. Um, I, I just He doesn't really inspire with his words, um, which is funny because he was saying a few things earlier in the season that kind of moved me because I was like, well, you know what, Poch? This is what, yeah, this is how you're supposed to, conduct yourself as a top manager or as a manager of a top club. Um, considering the the shambles of, of Graham Potter and the acceptance of the loserism um, that he was trying to instill at the club. Um, so some of the stuff that Potter was saying early on was moved. But I was like, okay, you know what? I, I, I hear you, but you need to move me on the pitch. 
and ultimately he's failed um, massively. So it's no surprise that the players feel and look uninspired, really. Um, so it, they're just man. It's just I think you know crazy. I think it's I think it's a bit difficult sometimes as well. Um, not not um, like I'm not trying to make excuses for why he kind of has said a mixed bag of things, but I feel like. What he said at the, the beginning was was correct, and in terms of who we are, in terms of what the history is, right? Like, and he was he was entirely right about that. Like, Chelsea is a club that that is known for winning. Chelsea is a club that should always be at the top table. Do you know what I'm saying? But um, obviously, as the games have gone on, and maybe I don't I don't know, maybe he's kind of seen exactly what kind of situation he is in with this squad and and with the players and. Not and not saying the players ain't, ain't good enough, but there's a certain way you're going to have to manage this group. I I don't think you can manage this group in a very militant way, and like I'm not saying you I'm not saying you you do this and it and it completely fails, but I, I'd be very shocked if if a militant manager came in and 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 grabbed grabbed this group and um, they reacted in the way a lot of people would think they react because I, I just feel like with this group at the moment in terms of and this is not Poch's fault this is the owner's fault and the director's fault in terms of the way that they've built this squad because they've built this squad in a way where there is there is no because we got rid of all those players right there is no core group at this in this team and squad at the moment there is absolutely no core group and even the few players that we have that are considered core players are on the hospital bed. So, yeah. for example, like our club captain, who we'll speak about later, he's obviously been injured quite a lot. Chilwell, who's the vice captain, is also injured quite a lot. Thiago Silva is the only one there. But ideally, you'd want someone else who'd have been around the club as well, innit? Do you know what I mean? And, and somebody that... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying speaking English and all that stuff is, is a must, but, you know, you want someone that can interact with all the players in a, in a very comfortable way. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and even though I think Thiago Silva can, I feel like you, you you still need more than just him. Do you get what I'm saying? Like That's valid. You, That's valid. Do you get what I'm saying? So I just feel like I'm, I'm not saying that these are the reasons that this is why he should get away with the mixed bag of things that he said, because I feel like it, it's very confusing in a way, like to, you know, I think I can't remember what he said exactly, but I remember looking at the comments, thinking, oh, "I don't really like this." The signings thing kind of rattled me as well. Like it, it, it was like straight away gone to signings, and and rather than kind of focus on on what you've got here, it's, it's like, nasty. "Oh, we need three or four more." Yeah, it's nasty work. So, so yeah, I hear so what you're right. saying. I hear what you're saying in, in regards to the to that. But look, you've come into this job knowing the situation. You you were you were talked about this job for a couple of months, bro. So you you knew what the plan was. You yeah. agreed to the plan. Um, you knew that the club was getting rid of key players or experienced Chelsea players that have been with the club for a number of years, three or four years. You knew that they were getting rid of them. Um, so you can't then come out and say, "Oh, I need more players." When you've got one of the biggest squads in the league, um, you've got a, a billion pound squad, whilst you know, you may you may argue that some of the players aren't worth the money that we, we spent on them. That, that the squad is a squad. Um and before you came, people were talking about how good the squad was. So we can't then turn around and say, Oh, these men are not good enough, or mm. these men haven't got enough experience. 
cool. You may you could say that, and I don't disagree because a lot of these players are are young. A lot of these players are new to the league. But you should be looking at your owners and your sporting directors and say, "You guys have fucked me over. You man have fucked me over." If this is the case, if this is the reality, but the truth is, you fucked yourself over in accepting this job and accepting these terms and accepting these conditions. Because I'd imagine any top coach worth their salt, and I said this before Poch was appointed, any top coach worth their salt would not accept Kovacic being sold. They wouldn't accept it. They wouldn't accept a lot of these senior players being moved on because they're important in terms of the fabric of a nucleus of a team. They're so important. Players that have been there, done it, experienced it. You can't win entirely with a team that aren't experienced in being in certain areas and being in certain avenues. Like, it's very, very difficult. And I understand they kept Thiago Silva. I understand they kept Rhys James. I understand they took, kept Chilwell. But for me, that's not enough. Like, that's yeah, same, really same. That is not enough. Like, that's that's not enough. Not enough. Because then you look at it from a perspective of, okay, well, if Thiago Silva retires next year, um, and I've been concerned about this for a long time, Thiago Silva is really the only senior player in our team that's actually like a senior figurehead. Um, yeah. That's above 30, um, that actually is a leader, that leads by example. Um, but then you've got Raheem Sterling, who's 28. He's only been at Chelsea for a season and a half now. Um, I don't see Raheem Sterling as a per- leader per se, maybe in terms of the way he speaks, in terms of you know his, his mannerisms on and off the pitch. I wouldn't say he's a leader. I think he leads by example in terms of the way he plays at times yeah and how he carries himself but I would say he's a leader Um, so the moment Thiago Silva leaves I'm very 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 concerned because we imagine sorry 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 yeah go on carry on carry on no I'm just very concerned because I'm like well who's actually leading these men like like I remember against Tottenham where all the men Cole Palmer scored a penalty and was giving it the big one to the fans I'm like okay I love it but let's calm her, yeah? Let's calm down. It's 1-1. Let, 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 let's, 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 let's kill them. Fuck it. They're down to 10 men. Let's kill them. Let's focus. Who comes running across the pitch from centre-back? Thiago Silva. <laughs> Thiago yeah. Silva pulls them man and says, get your head back in the game. Let's move. Right. And then everyone follows him. That's what I'm talking about, leader. And I'm not saying that Reese ain't a leader. I'm not saying that Reese can't grow into it. But Reese still has some growing to do. Reese has reached the top of um, European club football. But there's still so much he needs to achieve. There's still so much that he needs to um, to experience. And as a captain, as club captain, he will at some point. But I think he still has so much to learn. And the thing about John Terry, for example, when he was being captain at 23, he still had so much around him in terms of players to learn from and grow from. You know, he still had experience around him. He still had Desai was still around. So that sort of thing matters. That sort of thing really does matter. And John Terry wasn't captain of 21-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Like, he, he weren't. He was captain of 23, 24, 25-year-olds, and they all grow together. But well, that's what I was going to say about these... these... It's different, bro. It's, it's different. So even then, you're, like, kind of putting Reese in a position of failure as well. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not putting him in the best position to be the best captain because you're not surrounding him with the, the best environment to be a captain. You're making it very difficult for him. You're making it difficult for him to learn from and learn with. Um, senior players because he's having to adopt the senior um, persona which is difficult in a in the midst of bare young Gs 
and you're, it's 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 maddening. I do, so the, and then that ah oh, mate, it's so confusing. Like I'm looking at just from top to bottom, like Potter's decision making in terms of captaincy. I, I'm not saying that Reese is the wrong captain, but vice captain has to go to Thiago Silva. He just has to. Like like it just you you get what I'm saying. Like it just has to. Like I, I and then you think about all right, well fine, give it to Chilwell for some reason. Cool. <laughs> but then after Chilwell, it has to be Thiago Silva. No, it's Conor Gallagher. What? Like what? What? What is? What is going on? And these are decisions that are made by Pochettino. Like no one else makes these decisions. The manager makes it. So it's just like, what is going on? Like, I, I, I mean, I think, I think on the captain thing, for me, um, I don't want to give that to the squad as an excuse. Um, I think, I feel like I, I, I agree with what you're saying to some extent, but. Ultimately, we're not we're not there with the with the players and stuff. We don't know who are the real like. I mean, we can assume we can take educated guesses, but we don't know who are the like real like leaders um, or the real like. Um, and, and I know like Poch from working with young players, you know, you know, let me put the armor on Gallagher. Let me give him the captaincy. That'll give him like the responsibility, make him step up a level. Oh. Fair enough. Fair enough. Whatever. But at the end of the day, like. You play with the captain's armband around your hand, but like you still got to let your feet do the talking. And I, I, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't let the the rest of the squad have that as an excuse. Or oh, like our captain is not, um, like you don't, what? you don't, like where we are on the table, like it, 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 leadership. No, no listen, listen, I completely hear you, and there's no for me, there's no excuses, right? But what I'm saying is, I'm saying for for Reese. For Tiago, for these men, I'm thinking just in terms of leadership and in terms of like people you go to war with and you know you can look to that you rely upon them. I do think that there's an element of disrespect when you're giving it to Conor Gallagher leading out Tiago Silva. There's a bit of disrespect for me. Given the the, sta- the standing of Conor Gallagher's position, position in the squad, I think it's maddening to me. But that's not to say that the players aren't accountable for some of the performances and their their duties on the pitch but all I'm saying is it just doesn't smell right and that's across the board like from from the owners to the manager to the coaching staff the directors it just doesn't smell quite right um, and then you can just boil them down and maybe I, I might be being a bit pedantic but you can just boil it down to stuff like the captaincy situation it just doesn't seem Natural. It seems quite messy. If that makes sense. I do. I do think, for example, if you look at yeah, like we'll we'll take um, Villa as an example, right? Um, and obviously, Emery's coming. He's done a really good job. But I'm just talking about literally talking about like how you kind of build a squad and you you know you add your own players and and stuff like that. And what I said earlier on about like having a core group and having like some sort of foundation there because. Let's be real. Like at Chelsea right now, on all levels, there's just no kind of foundation. There's no kind of foundation because nobody's been there long enough for there to be a foundation. Absolutely nobody. Like from the owners all the way down to the to the to the um, team that gets put out on the pitch. Um, if you look at Everton, for example, in attack, you had Palmer, who was um, who's only started playing first team football this season in terms of regularly. You've got Broya, who's had a long layoff, um, and his his he was probably the most experienced in that front three with Mudrik on the left. And it's like, if you look through the Chelsea's team and you look at their core group compared to, say, someone like a Villa, when Villa started building around their group for Emery, 
They already had, they still had captain Tyrone Mings there, right? Even though he's injured, he's still part of the squad. And trust me, he, he'd probably be still talking to his players and stuff like that, making sure people are in check, keeping them in check. You've got people like Konza, who'd, who who are up-and-coming players, but he'd been he'd been at Villa for a, for a little bit um, now as well. You've got McGinn, who is also part of that spine. You've got Martinez in goal, part of that spine. You've got Watkins up top, part of that spine. And all they've gone and done is they've added a DRB. They've added, um, I think Leon Bailey's obviously came before that, but he hasn't been there that, that long. Um, they added uh, Torres at the back. I think they got the guy from Sevilla as well to to, to come in and into their back line. Um, they've added quite a few players, but the key thing about the way they've built their squad is that they had a core group there that was that was there before that had had good games for Villa. Big, big results for Villa. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, they, they, like Dean Smith wasn't a shit, shit manager like that. He'd, he'd had some really good moments with, with Villa. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like, when you don't necessarily have to come in and, and strip everything away and then put yourself in a position where you absolutely, absolutely have no foundation to build on. Do you get what I'm saying? Because then when these kind of patches come now, this now Poch is in a Poch is actually in a moment right now where he actually needs to find a way to build that while getting results. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't have that in our in Facts. our team at all. Facts. So to build that, you've got to you've got to then you you start finding yourself doing all these little things. All right, cool. I need to do this because, like he's saying, like like Jerry's saying, for example, with the captaincy, putting an arm around his shoulder, saying, "Oh, you know what, Conor Gallagher? Yeah, I'll give you captaincy." Da da da. You're trying to build this little kind of rapport with the players. You're trying to get fans on side, maybe with the Cobham lot. You're trying to do all these little things, but the the thing is, this is Chelsea. So all those little things, yeah, I get it. They matter in the long run because you're trying to, you you know, you might be trying to build something, but that's affecting your results. You see what I'm saying, and 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 results on, and also like the results, they they can only go one way with Chelsea. Like as in terms of the size of the club that we are, we need to win. See what I'm saying? We can't go on these long runs of not winning. So it's like that's a big issue for me, man. I, I it's, it's really... and, and what 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 and you what you said was so perfect because it goes back to the talk in the summer about people talking about upgrades, upgrades, upgrades. Oh, we've we sold Kovacic. We've, We've got Caicedo. I'm like, look, Caicedo, very good player. Very good player. Never worth, worth the money. Don't care what anyone says to me. You can come for my neck if you want. Never worth the money. Because I don't think any centre midfielder that isn't impacting our capacity to win matches in terms of scoring goals, creating assists, creating match-winning moments, is ever worth over £100 million. That's my view. And it won't change. Um, so, cool. You're getting a good player in Caicedo. But you're losing so much in terms of experience and feel for the club in Kovacic. Now, that's to say, there's no denying that for me, Kovacic down tools last season. And I don't blame him, given the environment, given the situation. Um, so maybe he might have not found that gear for us again. Um, but you can't say the same for N'Golo Kante. Um, you can't say the same for a number of our players that have left, um, like a Loftus-Cheek, for example. But that's just my opinion. I just feel like, again, having players that you know that are part of the fabric is very important. Like you said, um, Jay, you need to have that core. You need to have that core base. And Chelsea don't have a core base. We don't have a spine. That's like, we've talked about football for a very long time. And we know about the importance of a team having a spine. And Chelsea lack a spine. 
And that's why we're paperweight. That's why in games we can get bowled over or out of one attack. Well, we could do our best. We could try to blow a house down, but we don't have the tools within us because we our spine is weak. Our diaphragm ain't strong. So it's just like you look at Chelsea and you think they're just a paperweight team. They've got no spine. They've got nothing about them, really. And it's, sad, and it's, and it's sad that we have to say that now, though, Meads, because those those players, we're not necessarily saying that Broglie is not going to be good enough. We're not saying that um, Caicedo, Lavia, Enzo, them guys can't be uh, a future. Like, you know, they can't be a spine for a team in the future that's, you know, winning. But the way we've built it is like... They needed to be that experienced kind of group now to, to get the results that we want to get. And now all of a sudden, like, I'm not saying we're, we're, we're criticising them because we're not, but like, you can't just, <laughs> it's not just going to happen like that. Do you get what I'm saying? You have to be, you have to have some sort of experience. How, how, how I see it, right? John Obi Mikel wouldn't be the good or great John Obi Mikel that he became in the latter parts of his Chelsea career if he didn't have the ODs ahead of him in my opinion, because you need to get that grounding. You need to have that experience and exposure of what it is to train meticulously, train at the highest level, play at the highest level, be in and around those at the highest level. At Chelsea right now, we've got a bunch of talented young players that don't know what it feels like to be at the top level. They don't know what it feels like. You've only got Thiago Silva, that's an example, but he's not even at his best version of himself. So you're seeing a labouring Thiago Silva and you're thinking that's the standard or you're looking at around you. You may not even, because you need to bear in mind it, the environment is more than one man, right? So if the overwhelming majority of of players are in and around Cobham are people like you or of your age, of your um, mindset, then that's what the culture will be. And there's not a culture of excellence at Chelsea. You could see it in the way that we play. You could see it in the way that we go about games whether that's from the manager, whether it's the players, you can see that there's no culture of excellence. There's no real, oh, I don't know, the, 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 the zeal and the zeal and hunger that is usually attributed to when you play for Chelsea Football Club just isn't there. You know what I mean? It's just not there. And again, that lack of continuity is playing a part. It's playing a part because even, for example, Rhys James, he may have that high level of excellence that he expects of himself. Um, obviously training with Thiago Silva for a number of years, playing with Thiago Silva for a number of years, but he's not around on the pitch often enough to really influence that. Again, that's only one man. Then you say you've got Chilwell, Reese James, Thiago Silva. Who else? Who else? You get it. No one else is there that have been there, done it, got that experience, that are able to carry and maintain the standard. There's no real standard bearers that are always going to be there. And if they are, they're few and far between. In a squad of 30, only three men. What is that? What is that? The whole thing is mad to me. Like, so it's no surprise why we're failing. No surprise why we're failing. And I guess that leads on to the unfortunate topic of my boy, Reese James. Picked up another injury, unfortunately. Um What can we say? I don't want to spend too long on, on RJ because we, we know about his injury injury problems, but I do want to touch on the fan reaction to his injury. Um, I understand it's one of, of frustration, um, naturally, because another injury, hamstring again. But uh, we need our fan. Uh, I, I, I want to speak to our fans and say, look, players 
feel everything. Um, there's no one more frustrated at the situation than Reese James himself. Um, so in situations like that, you need to give support. You need to support the players when they're going through tough times. I think a lot of our play, a lot of our fans turned on, for example, what Ruben Loftus Cheek when he got injured, um, which is disgusting, really, because these are kids that have been here from from literally the academy, the age of eight, sometimes even six. Reese James six. So I'm just like, you man need to support them, especially when they're going through a tough period, because ultimately, when they do come back, which they will, like Loftus Cheek. You don't come begging and looking like an idiot. You know what I mean? Whilst you're rubbing them out. Like, Reese James is a top, top player. So support him. You know what I mean? Jay, give us your thoughts on, on the Reese James situation. Obviously, it's very frustrating, very gutting. But yeah, talk to me, man. Uh, sorry, let Jay, Jerry go first. I'm just going to just give me one minute. Sorry. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, with Reese James, I think when another like it's obviously a difficult situation. Um. And I think, you know, in this in this case, what may have affected the severity of his uh, of his injuries or the impact to the squad was the lack of ample backup. Um. Now we've resolved that problem. Um. With Malagusto. Um. Unfortunately, he's also injured in the minute. Um. But I think in terms of like his recovery and like there are people who are in the sport and they know a lot more than us as fans. So I think uh, with the reaction that's come out, um, like a lot of people are just frustrated and they want us to sell him. Um, I think, first of all, he's, he's, a, he's a kid that's come through the academy. He's been at Chelsea since he was what, eight years old. Um, I think he deserves a little bit more than a little bit more um, respect than just saying sell him. Um, I think he's contributed enough in his short time uh, at the club um, that he deserves sort of the grace to recover from from this injury. Um, and while he has missed a lot of football over the past two or three years, um, I think if you look at Loftus Cheek as a case study. Um, he had a lot of injury troubles um, and eventually he found a solution and it stabilised and after that he was pretty reliable. Uh, this career is not one or two seasons. It's a career of 10, 15 years. Um, so I think we can, it's fine Like if a player gets injured. like We're human beings and he's not the only one. Uh, the game has got more intense. Uh, players are playing more football than ever. We've seen across Europe many, many, many injuries. Um, and every season on season, there's an uptick in injuries. So I think if we look at this with a, with a level head and past the frustration of um, uh, the, the, the recent results, if we were winning, no one would say anything. Um, I think it's just a frustration that's boiled over. Um, so I think I want... Obviously, I want, I want Reese James on the pitch. I think... Time is 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 against him in terms of he's he's sort of entering that like uh, those important years for his career, his development to really kick on to that 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 next level player to fulfil his potential. But at this point, you can only leave it in the hands of the the medical staff, the the ones who studied for five, six, seven, eight years to be where they are. So um, I think that's my view on that. Uh, Meads, what do you what do you think about his injuries? Or Jay, if you're back, yeah, no, sorry. Um... 
obviously it's just unfortunate in it <laughs> it's like it always is with Reese. like it's unfortunate that he's injured there's clearly an ongoing issue with with this injury because it's 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 been quite a number of times now um i don't know exactly how he's meant to fix it um i don't know if it's 100% a thing where it's where it's surgery or it's a thing where it's it's just it just might be him and obviously i'm hoping that it is something that can be resolved. I'm hoping that it's it's not one of those things where he just does turn out to be the player that just can't shake off injuries. You know, it, it happens. It happens. Like, I, I dread to say it, but it does happen in football and nobody can ever really give you the answer as to why that player ends up having so many injuries. But um, at this at this moment in time, you just got to kind of stick with him because it's just ridiculous to to somehow think that the way to go is, you know, negativity. Like, I just, <laughs> like, like it baffles me with fans sometimes. Like, they want the team to perform, so they think that abuse is the way to go forward. It's just, like, it's ridiculous. Like, like I, I get it. Everybody gets frustrated with players when they don't perform and stuff like that. But, you know, like, newsflash, innit? You, you, you abusing them and making them not like you is not going to want them, is not going to make them want to play you know, better, do you know what I'm saying, or, or, or want to stay here, do you know what I'm saying? So for me, um, yeah, just think about that before you're typing your nonsense and, you know, going online to, to, to do all this, like, stupidness when it comes to abusing players in general and, and especially when they're getting injured and, and you know, like, like Mead said, um, nobody wants to play for this club and win with this club more than someone like Reese James, you know what I mean? Like there'll be very few, I think, in that in that team that that love the club more than he does. So yeah, um fans do well to to remember that and remember the kind of quality that he's he's produced when he has been when he has been fit. And um yeah man, he's he's given like in a in a in a time where it has been quite hard for Chelsea fans, like even even under Tuchel, like when we were struggling attack or whatever. Reece James gave us some 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 top 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 performances that kind of had us hanging in there at some stages. Do you know what I'm saying? And and you know had us proud of of a common product like to come from our academy and be that good. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you do nothing but back Reece James. I think and obviously um, we're hoping that he's back in what is it february march but even if he can't come back then and and he has to take the whole flipping season off to just sort out this issue so that he can have a longer career yeah i'd be i'd be happy if that was the case you know what i'm saying yeah I, I think my 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 view is similar to both of you's really um it's counterintuitive counterproductive if you think that abusing a player is going to make them want to perform more or perform harder for you um it's no surprise that a lot of the fans, a lot of the players that have left the club have gone on to slightly better environments. I wouldn't say way better, but slightly better. Um, because I think our fans, I think our fans are quite petulant. Um, now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be upset or frustrated or annoyed at Reese's injury or players getting injured or players not performing, but to abuse them. And it's not even like they just abuse them. They at them. They will like, actually direct their abuse to them straight live and direct so they can see it. And it baffles me because I'm like, what are you expecting for them? Like, If you're in your, your workplace, your boss or 
or your fellow colleagues or clients, for example, it might even be clients, fuck it. Let's say consumers come to you and start shouting at you saying that you're shit. Are you expecting them to respond positively to that? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just baffled. And again, this is someone that has committed eight more years of his life to this club, despite the perils that we are obviously facing. He's committed that much, many more years of his life, signed a long-term contract because he wanted to show his commitment to the club. Been here since he was eight years old. I just it baffles me at the level of treatment of people saying, oh, no, we have to sell him. We have to sell him. He's injury prone. have to sell him. I'm just like, bro, what are you thinking? Because, again, he may turn out to be a player that has injuries throughout throughout his career. Fine, whatever. He may turn out to be a player that, age 26, he sorts out his injury issues and goes on to be playing 38 games a season regularly for the remainder of his career. You never know of these things. It's football. It's human anatomy. It's the, it's it's just it's just the way it goes. So you just have to weigh it out. And I think for me, Reese is far far too good to just think that you could discard and cast aside, because ultimately, our loss will be someone else's gain. So I don't. I, for me, it's maddening to me. And I, I just look at I look at our fans as just kind of petulant children. Um, but that, that's neither here nor there. I hope. Personally, from a personal perspective, I hope that Reese takes all the time he needs to sort out his physical issues because I don't want him to rush back. I don't want him to be clamoring to come back and then re-injuring himself. I don't think it does any any favours for his body in going through repeated stress until he's actually right. Um, and I think he's kind of at that point now where he's thinking, okay, well, I, I need to make sure that I'm right. Otherwise, we're just going to keep having these issues. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I think with Reese, I'm just wishing well. Hopefully he, he gets better soon. And if he comes back in March, he comes back in March, he comes back in Feb, he comes back in Feb. Don't want to rush it. Come back whenever he's ready. That's what my message to Reese would be. Come back whenever you're ready. Um, but, yeah, I just there was a couple of other things I wanted to touch on um, just before we wrap up. But, Let's preview this, uh, the Sheffield United game uh, because it's, it feels like every game that we play is a massive game now because such is our season. Considering the Reece James injury, considering you know our, our our attack, I guess what would you change much against Sheffield United, Jerry, or, or would you change a lot? I actually wouldn't change too much. Um, when the lineup came out um, in the last game, I actually was looking forward to seeing how that team would would sort of work out. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> I sort of didn't get to this in, in, in the analysis, but I think people are being quite harsh on Brozier, saying that he didn't really do anything in the game. I think he was past the ball maybe, I don't think he was past the ball before the 20th minute um, by, by a Chelsea player like Tafit. Um, and honestly, the service to him was either like hopeful punts down the line, um, or if when he received the ball, he was crowded out. I know some people blamed him for the first goal, but if you actually look, Enzo is running into a, a crowd of about four players and just sort of it's a hopeful toe poke at Broja, who's sort of starting to move towards the, the, the center of the box. Um, I just think it's not really a game to judge him on, and I want to see him get uh sort of a chance in the team 
Um, I think uh, he has certain qualities that uh, Jackson doesn't have, and I think they complement in in that way at least. Um, they complement each other quite quite well, and let's see what he can do with more time in the squad. Um, I think Palmer was bright, uh, looked like he wanted to make something happen. I think he was maybe forcing it a bit too much, but um, the, only, the only thing, uh, the only person, the only, the only two people who are concerned for me are Disassi, um, who just, I, 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 wouldn't, I, I don't think he switches off, but his awareness is is really poor. Um in terms of oh, that ball over the top, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. I've seen that too many times. I've seen bad, that against Brighton. Bad, 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 bad. Um, and Cucurella, that guy, my goodness, like he run, he like commits to every single tackle. And I don't know if you, I, I, I played football on Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday, and there was a guy, a jinky me jinky guy, right? And these guys, like, if you just stand them up. And watch them, it's a lot easier to deal with. But Cucurella, he tries to win every ball at 100 miles per hour, and it's painful to watch. You know what it is with him, man? You know what it is? Uh, sorry to cut you, bro, but you know what it is with Cucurella? I think that he's doing, <clears throat> he's playing at 100 miles an hour, trying to press the ball to win it early. And I feel like he's doing it because he feels like he has to play with that aggression to be. Oh, you know what? Actually, at least he's trying. You know what I mean? That kind of cheating tactic. Like he's like, at least he's trying. You know what I mean? But I think it leaves yourself susceptible to being pammed so often. And I think he's a good enough one v one defender to not need to do that, really. Because at Brighton, he weren't doing that too tough. He weren't being overly aggressive in his tackling like that. He usually stands man off. I remember when he came to the bridge and um he was just standing man up. Like, he weren't even, like, charging into people. I think the other occasion he charged in, because that's what you do as a defender, but he was standing man up. He was like, all right, try and get past me. And I'm just like, what's happening, bro? It's mad. I also think when he does stand his man up, he's he's very flat-footed. Um, and his weight is too heavy on his, um, on his heels, and he just can't react. Like, he's very... He's just not a good defender, man. Like, <laughs> do you know what it is, Jerry? As well, you know, as a as a fullback, yeah, you as a fullback, sometimes when you don't have pace, I'm I'm saying it like I know what that is. I have no clue, but like I I was luckily blessed with pace. But I I like I just feel I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. If if I was a player that didn't have pace, I wouldn't be looking forward to the foot race. And so what he does, everything that he does before it gets to that point is literally what you see him do now as a player. So he yeah. tries to be aggressive in, in, in the beginning. So because if you think about it like this year, if he's aggressive enough and he gets there, he, he completely you don't have to like, run. rattles the defender and he doesn't give him a chance to turn, face him, like stand him up and then, you know, all right, cool, let's yeah. go for a run. So instead, he tries to get in early and aggressive. And sometimes when it, when it, when he's doing it well, it works. It works. It's good. But but when it's when <laughs> it's, it's bad, <laughs> when it's bad, oh, it God. is very bad. And it and it and it almost it's almost certainly going towards like a like you know a goal scored because the the the, the kind of space that he's leaving 
and the avenues that he allows these players to run into, it's yeah. a bit scary. Do you know? What it's, I mean? it's, not, it's not. You know, it's not even entirely his fault because it's like the structure's so bad. One man doing the kamikaze shuttle run mm. with a highly aggressive tip. Once that ball is not connected, they're into you. And no, this no. is the thing they worked like clockwork at Brighton. So let's just even think. Let's just even think. So it weren't even just. It's not even just Kukurea. Examples earlier in the season, Thiago Silva against West Ham. You see what I'm saying? Where you try and win the ball, you commit. Once you overcommit and you don't win that ball, they're onto you. And in this league, when things are going against you, you will be punished consistently. And it just feels like Kukurea leave you susceptible to punishment. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's it, it's it's a shame because I'm a fan of his. I think he's I think he's pretty good. I don't think Chilwell's better than him personally. I think Chilwell's a disaster defensively, but I just feel like he isn't an, a top player either. I think he's a good player, but a top player, I don't I don't see it. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, what you said, though, I'd like to see. I'd honestly like to see Matson at left back. I know a lot of people have had a little bit to say about him when he's coming for his cameos, but let's be honest, man. Like he's hardly he's hardly had those kind of opportunities to even show anything close. He's not had an opportunity for you to really think he's rubbish or good. Nah, not at all. Not at all. And I feel like with with him, you you just have to chuck him in, see how he does. If he doesn't perform well, then fine, you can have your position. But you can't really rub him out until you see it. So, yeah, and you you let Lewis Hall go. That just ah, oh, mate. Anyway, man, there's just too much that's actually making me sick about this whole bloody establishment, bro. But we're gonna have to leave that for another day. Um, but I want to just finally talk about. Sheffield United, obviously that's a must-win game. So I want you guys teams for for the game and a scoreline prediction, um, which I'm scared to do at this moment in time for Chelsea. So we'll start with you, Jerry. Uh, team, uh, I think Sanchez is injured, isn't he? Um, yes, he is. Uh, Petrovic. Uh, scary, scary. But anyway, continue. <laughs> what is what is the situation with Malo Gusto? I think Gustavo was in training, but I don't know if he's actually fit to play. But we'll, we will see. I saw him in training, though. Right. If he's not, then um, the sassy right back, um, Badjashil, and uh, it's not going to happen, but Badjashil and Colwell. Um, actually, no, you know what? Badjashil, Thiago Silva, Colwell. Um, and then I'm going to have to go Casado, Enzo, Gallagher. But with Gallagher, the more advanced one instead of uh, actually, do you know what? No, I'm going to change that. I'm going to go Enzo, Caicedo, and um, sorry, no, no, sorry, Colwell, uh, Badishil centre back, uh, Matson, uh, left back, uh, Caicedo, Enzo, Gallagher, and uh, Palmer, Modric, and Brojo. So let's say less scoreline prediction. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 to Chelsea. Blood clots. All right, cool. Jay, 
<laughs> Talk to me, bro. What's your team? Yeah, I, th- I think, I'm not sure how realistic it is, but given the schedule and how much he has been rotating over these last few games, I really do want to see if Matson can Matson can get a start at left-back. So for me personally, I just think with all the injuries, I, I, I think that's a no-brainer. I think you absolutely play Matson at left-back. He's a left-back, so you play him at left-back. Mm. Um, I think... I know Jerry pulled out of this one, but and I, I get why he pulled out of it as well because it, it might be a thing of the two left footer thing or whatever. But it's just criminal to me how you haven't tried uh, Badia Shaw and Colwell yet. They're they're two of the best centre backs at the club at the moment, in my opinion. Um, especially if you want to if you want to play a little bit further up the pitch and stuff like that. I think those two have to have to get a start at some point at centre-back. And I just think it's unfair on Colwell as well. Like, he's been playing left-back so many times this season. The few teams, few season, uh, the few times he's played centre-back, he's actually played really well. Do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'd like to see him and Badishul get a start at centre-back. Um, and then, yeah, right-back, I don't think we have any options, really. Um, I don't think Poch will, will play the kid that everybody's been talking about that's been training with Chelsea, but um, and it would be mad brave for him to do that. So I do think it will be the sassy at right back. Um, and then, yeah, again, in the middle, like, goes back to what I was saying about bravery, like, just play Enzo and Caicedo. Caicedo had a good game against um, Everton. He showed his discipline. He showed that he can sit in front of the defence and that. And I know Jerry, Jerry is right. There were there were a few things that were a bit worrying off the ball, but if we're worried against Sheffield United, I'm I'm, being, I'm not being funny, man. Like, come on, bro. Like, Enzo, Enzo and Caicedo with Palmer in the middle, and then just go Sterling right and and Mudrick left, and then I'd say play Broyer again up top. That's what I'd go with. Okay, okay. Scoreline prediction. Um. I'm not sure what Sheffield United are like in the air and that. They're not really... Are they a tall side? Not particularly. They're but... not really. I don't... Uh, that Archer guy, he's a bit... Um, they got Archer, right? Archer's a... Yeah. He's a bit of a finisher, yeah. but I think I, I, I can't see him getting any change out of Badishul, to be honest with you. Like, no I, I just think... I, I just think... If I'm going off the way the Everton game went, yeah, for example, I don't think Sheffield United really and truly get a sniff, if I'm being real. But yeah, the way we can see the goals we can see though is it's, it's not that it's not a thing where game the teams have large possession and score. It's, it just comes out of nowhere, isn't it? So it's like, yeah, I, I, I'd say probably a two-one, probably. Okay, cool. Two-one to Chelsea. Man, against Sheffield United, we're saying two ones. I don't know. Um, it could me, easily be a Burnley thing though, where we yeah. slap them as well. So, yeah, easily. Yeah. Easily. So I'm gonna go with whew, I'm gonna go with I'm hearing a draw. I'm hearing I'm a draw. With a one one draw. <laughs> yeah, I I think, and I think that, that spells the end for Pochettino. A one one draw, and I think that's the end for Poch. That's my opinion. Um in terms of the team, I don't think I don't it doesn't really matter, to be honest. You could play any team and I think the result doesn't really change too much, to be honest, um, because the, the the issues are are beyond the players. So I can't, I can't name any which way the team, any which way the players that play. Um, it could be Jackson, it could be Broya. You know, I'd be happy to see Mudrick start again, but yeah, 
Well, no, I got, that's where I'm at right now. It's, it's, I don't really see players playing, changing much of the result or changing much of our fortune, but here we are. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, man. 1-1 draw, regardless of the team. Uh, you, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. We'll be back again next week, hopefully with a, a victory and Pops proving me wrong <laughs> against Sheffield United. And um, I think we've got a game against Wolves as well on Christmas Eve. So Tough game. Half tough game, and they're in good form. Gary O'Neill's my well, guy. <laughs> boy, by next week, we've got back-to-back wins, and I'll be stunned, but I, I highly, highly doubt it. But yeah, anyways, you man, take it easy. Peace. Cool. Later. All right, take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.